One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill. We are a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. I'm Sadie Eck. And we're sisters, and we are about murder. We're all about it. (laughs) We're about murder, and we giggle a lot. So if you don't like giggling about murder, uh, this is not the podcast for you. But if, you know, we keep it to a minimum. Giggling intervals. Mm-hmm. If you will, uh, but if except you don't for like, me, I'm a total nervous giggler. So oh, that's I, true. I, I Sadie, apologize. Sadie giggles at inappropriate spots, so you know yeah. it's getting really dark and gory if Sadie starts giggling. Because right, I don't think it's funny. I just can't control it. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, she's a full blown sociopath. Mm-hmm. Anyway, keep the banter to the minimum. We keep that's the right. banter at the back. I do have some things that I want to talk to you guys about today. So if you want to hear about. Uh, seasonal allergies as they relate to anxiety and a couple other little tidbits. I have that to talk about at the end. But today, Sadie has an amazing case. Get excited because this the shit is fucked up. It's we got cults, we got weird sex stuff, we got Mormonism, which could be debated as a cult. Uh, lots of murder, mass murder, as a matter of fact. So take it away, Sadie. All right. So today we're going to talk about cult leader and mass murderer Jeffrey Lundgren. And first I'm going to start just with a little bit of information about the Mormon church. It helps kind of piece this together. I won't go into the whole like every detail, but. Nope. Let's uh, bust out the good book. I want to hear all about it. (laughs) Uh, So the founder of the Mormon religion, his name is Joseph Smith Jr., Uh, originally told his followers that God wanted them to gather together and establish, quote, Zion, uh, which was a perfect community of love and trust where they would wait for Christ's return. He decided that Zion would be built in Independence, Missouri. It's it's a town called Independence. Yep. Uh, Unfortunately for Smith, the people already living in Independence didn't like his plan, and they chased him out of town. Mm Mm-hmm. So Smith was eventually murdered. <laughs> Quick turn. I mean, really, we're flying through the history yeah, the, of the full <laughs> background. That's fine. It's it's intricate yeah. and deep. And yes, this is plenty of information. Um, right. So Smith was eventually murdered and Brigham Young stepped into his shoes and led uh, the biggest block of Mormons to Salt Lake City, Utah. Right. 
A smaller group of Mormons stayed in independence, and they chose Joseph Smith's eldest son uh, to head the church. He was only 11 at the time. Oh, my God. So over time, the Mormons in Utah grew into a worldwide church of 7 million members. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had tremendous, they still do, they have tremendous wealth and power. Yep. The members who stayed behind in independence renamed themselves the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, They go by RLDS. Yep. Today, they have about 250,000 members. So most Utah Mormons believe that Brigham Young was the prophet that led the Mormons from Missouri and, quote, out of bondage Mm -hmm. to, quote, redeem Zion by leading them to Salt Lake City, Utah. But such talk was heresy to the RLDS sect. They considered Young a false prophet. Zion was supposed to be built in independence, not Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. They were still waiting for God to send them a prophet. Got it. So that leads us to (laughs) Jeffrey Don Lundgren was born on May 3rd, 1950 in Independence, Missouri. Mm -hmm. He came from a well-off family and was the oldest of two boys. Jeffrey's grandfather was a founding member and pastor at two different RLDS churches. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey grew up in the church. Despite this, he always questioned claims of visions and prophecy, which are uh, both very important parts of the religion. Mm Mm-hmm. He said, quote, I would sit there on Sundays and people would be in tears talking about the Lord's presence and his love and all these strange events that they claimed had happened to them. And I would think that something was wrong with me because I felt absolutely nothing and nothing had happened to me like what they were describing. I was stone cold to all the emotional drivel. Jeffrey's father was described as a terror and a bully growing up. The reputation continued as an adult. So this is Jeffrey's dad. Mm -hmm. He was known as a tough guy who spoke his mind and stood his ground. Jeffrey was, by most accounts, a loner when he was in middle school and high school. He became an expert hunter when he began to spend time with his father as a teenager. Yikes. So he came, yeah, he came from a family that was super, his dad was super hardcore and uh, mom was described as distant. He himself was a loner and then became an expert hunter. (laughs) I just happened to be watching... Ah, God. I mean, one of 80 bazillion true crime shows that I've been watching right now. And they, I can't remember what the statistic was, but it's like some, a lot of killers are started out as hunters, which does mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like a logical leap. But if you are a serial killer, you're probably also a hunter is what they figured <laughs> out. I mean, you literally are a hunter, but you probably started out hunt- a regular style hunter right. and became a animals. hunter of human beings. <laughs> Ugh. Yes. Ugh. Uh, the pair would go on hunting trips and Jeffrey became a gun expert. After high school, Jeffrey enrolled at Central Missouri State University and he spent time at a house that was specially built for the RLDS youth. Mm-hmm. While at the house, he became friends with a girl named Alice Keeler. The pair quickly bonded and became inseparable. Jeffrey would walk her to all her classes. He would suggest what she wore each day and would be disappointed if she didn't wear what he wanted. Oh, cool. That's Mm -hmm. a great way to start out a relationship. Alice loved the attention. And after a week of dating, Jeffrey asked Alice to marry him. Oh, even better way to start out a relationship. (laughs) She happily said yes. And as soon as they agreed to get married, Jeffrey started pressuring her for sex. God. Uh, Despite her religious beliefs, she didn't resist. She said she felt ashamed and dirty, but wanted to please him. Yeah. He would tell her, quote, if you love me, you'll do this. 
God, this guy is batting a, batting a thousand right mm-hmm. now. Alice Keeler was also born in Independence, Missouri on January 21st, 1951. She was the oldest of four children. Her parents had moved to Independence because of the RLDS's belief that it's where Jesus will return and build Zion. Mm-hmm. For her first 13 years of life, she got what she wanted. Her parents put their children's needs and wants first. In 1964, Alice's father was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and couldn't work anymore. Her mother had to go to work and left Alice to run the household. She couldn't get everything she asked for, and that sudden shift was really hard for her. Mm -hmm. She often felt alone and at odds with her younger siblings, who she had to care for. She found herself relying on the church to be her escape from her family life and became engulfed in the religion. Uh-huh. Uh, Alice developed a chilling certainty to her beliefs. While others might doubt Joseph Smith Jr.'s unconventional claims and teachings, Alice didn't. Uh-huh. Her brother Charles claims that Alice always lived in a fantasy world. Quote, I'm not certain Alice knows the difference between truth and lies. She has always been able to convince herself that whatever she wants to believe is the truth and nothing else matters. She was that way about religion and that way about her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice firmly believed that they were still waiting for God to send them a prophet and was more confident than ever that this revelation was about to come true. One of the church patriarchs had even told her their generation would establish Zion and that Alice's future husband was going to help prepare the way for Christ's return. Oh God. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. And in the book that I read, they were talking about how it was at church camp and it was all very dramatic. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the Mormons will have visions. They'll be praying and they'll have a vision like as a group. And the person will come and be like, this is what God just told me. And yeah. so for Alice, the way she told it was very dramatic that this, uh, patriarch that she looked up to came to her and said, you're going to help lead the church in the direction of Zion and blah, blah, blah. So yep, yep. she was very excited about it. Yeah. We grew up in a pretty fundamentalist, isn't the right word, pretty, I don't know, zealous, <laughs> like non-denominational mm-hmm. churches. And there was a lot of that. And you do, you get all like wrapped up in it. It's like you want so badly for God to be speaking to you and for there to be miracles occurring around every corner that mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's exciting man who wouldn't want to be married to the future messiah or whatever absolutely so, right i mean um, i would not like to be married to no. the future messiah just to be clear but <laughs> if i was in her situation that would be pretty That's sweet right. um and before i forget the most of this information i got from a book called prophet of death the mormon blood atonement killings uh, by yeah by pete early. Mm -hmm. So after her first date with Jeffrey, she began to wonder if he was the one that God had chosen to be her husband. And she asked herself, would he be the one who would help bring forth God's kingdom? Yep. So after getting pregnant, Alice and Jeffrey were married on May 5th, 1970. This was a big problem for Jeffrey's parents. They were not happy with the marriage and they did their best to stop the union. Hmm. Uh, she was from a poor family. He was from a, a richer family. Right. And they didn't think that Alice was good enough for Jeffrey. Yep. And they thought that she was trapping him for his money. Got for it. his family's money. Yep. So Jeffrey enlisted in the United States Navy after flunking out of college. 
He left for Navy training, and three weeks later, on December 2nd, 1970, the couple's first child, Damon, was born. They moved to California, where Jeffrey was stationed. They felt out of place in San Diego. They said it was too wild for them, and they longed to go back to Missouri. Mm-hmm. San Diego's a really conservative place, which is I funny. know. They were they like went to one party, and people were smoking pot. And oh, they were that, yeah. yeah. I mean, these guys are very, very conservative. Yes. So. Mormons don't San Diego do caffeine generally even, right? Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So in the spring of 1972, Jeffrey was transferred to the USS Shelton, which was headed to Vietnam. Uh, Alice and Damon went back to Missouri to live with Jeffrey's parents. They had warmed up to her and the baby um, mm-hmm. after the baby was born. Kind of sounds like that. They don't like her. The baby comes and they're like, okay, yeah. never mind. Yeah. We like that grandson of ours. You did a good job on this one. So mm-hmm. you are you can stay. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey spent all his free time on the ship reading the Book of Mormon. He decided that he really wanted to know the scripture better than Alice and wondered why God never gave him a sign that he was watching over Jeffrey. Hmm. But Jeffrey was very competitive. And so uh, Alice really <laughs> studied. Right. She studied the, the Bible and Book of Mormon in depth and he didn't like it that she knew scripture better than he did god so once in vietnam their ship was attacked three times and all three times the ship wasn't hit by a single bullet Uh jeffrey believed that this was the miracle from god that he had been looking for that's pretty sweet like scenario to not ever get hit in an attack Yeah, yeah yeah and again in the book they described it like bullets just like hit in the water 10 feet away from the boat for whatever reason Mm -hmm. they weren't getting hit yeah it's a pretty good sign i'm gonna have to go ahead and give that one to jeffrey it's not Mm -hmm. like a bird hit the window of your house or something you know like (laughs) well kind of a stretch like a full-blown multiple attacks yeah Mm -hmm. i also knowing what i know about jeffrey i don't know that that story was um ah true (laughs) right yeah i don't know if if the if they like checked the source did were there other sailors uh-huh. that agreed uh-huh. um, he loved to make up stories but as far as we know that actually happened i don't know got it so on december 22nd as the ship made its way back home the crew celebrated their good luck jeffrey watched with a knowing grin that he had been the only mormon aboard the ship and it was because of him that they were all alive yeah what a dipshit <laughs> he was sure that god kept him alive for a reason yep Upon his return, Jeffrey became more controlling of Alice. He wouldn't let her have any access to their money. He expected her to do everything he asked of her. Mm-hmm. She believed it was her duty as his wife to obey him, so she did not complain. Uh, Jeffrey was sent on another eight-month deployment. Alice went back to Missouri again, this time pregnant with her second child. She gave birth to their second son, Jason, in June of 1974. Jeffrey was honorably discharged from the Navy in November of that same year, and the family decided to return to Missouri and moved in with Alice's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, Jeffrey went back to college. He did much better. He did very well in all of his classes. He became more involved in the RLDS church and was learning how to be more persuasive. Mm-hmm. He even converted a few friends to Mormonism. Got it. He also spent a lot of time arguing with other church members about policy changes. Many wanted to allow women to become priests. Jeffrey was strongly against the idea. In 1975, he started the process to become a priesthood member of his church. This would allow him to start leading church services. Uh, It's normally a straightforward process. 
you need two priests from the church to recommend you, and most men who attend church regularly can become members easily. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that there isn't a singular, I mean, I think there is like a leader of the church, but the men take turns yeah. leading the sermons. Yep. Even though things looked good for the couple on the outside, they were struggling. Jeffrey bought them a house and a new car and was spending way too much money. Mm. He disconnected their phone and got a P.O. box in order to hide the unpaid debt from Alice. Really? Jeffrey also complained that Alice would not have sex with him. He wanted sex constantly, and she said that all he cared about was himself. He made no effort to make it pleasurable for her. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. She even said that she didn't learn about orgasm until she read it in a Cosmo magazine, which <laughs> just, I thought that was a cliche. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, God, that is just every woman from the 80s and 90s got a hold of Cosmo and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you get people who were born in the 80, in the 90s, you guys have it way better. Just take our word for it. I guess so. So Jeffrey left school just shy of having enough credits to graduate. He said that Alice made him leave so that he could get a good job and make money for the family. Alice said that he was kicked out of school because he was stealing money from the college. Oh, no. Despite his setbacks, he was excited to become a priesthood member. The priest who had recommended Jeffrey stopped by one night and told him the RLDS office had decided against recommending him for ordination. Oh, no. So they had decided against recommending him for ordination after talking to friends of Jeffrey's, who said they didn't think he was mature enough for priesthood. Yikes. This infuriated Jeffrey, and he decided to leave the RLDS church. Completely. Uh, yeah, at this point. Wow. So after their house went into forced closure, the family moved to a farm where Jeffrey could work as a manager. Um, he was the farm manager. Mm-hmm. They were able to live there rent-free. He liked the work, but abruptly quit. He said it was because he was worried about his family as the farm was starting to hire juvenile delinquents. These were quotes. (laughs) Uh, This wasn't true. (laughs) Alice said that he was fired for stealing hay from the farm and selling it on the side and keeping the cash. (laughs) God, this guy's just just got his little grubby paws in all the pots, doesn't he? Yeah. A little from the college, a little from the hay. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. a creep. Yeah. I know. We talk about this because I want to set up his pattern. This is what he does. Yes. And then, yeah. So they were broke, homeless, and Alice was pregnant again. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So Jeffrey tells Alice that he got a job at Transworld Airlines as part of their pre-flight inspection crew. He would go to work at 7 p.m., but would never return home at the same time. After two months of him not getting paid, Alice jimmied open a locked desk drawer to try and find his pay stubs, thinking that he was hiding the checks from her. Instead, she found a drawer full of hardcore porn. Uh Uh-oh. And an angry letter from their landlord telling them that they would be evicted if they didn't pay their rent. Oh, double whammy, man. Yeah. I mean, for a Mormon, especially. like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she called TWA and learned that he had never been employed with us. <laughs> what a cool day that was for her. I know, Alice. God. Uh, so then the police arrived a few days later to arrest Jeffrey. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. He bought a gun with a check that bounced. <laughs> <laughs> he had already sold the gun and spent the money, so he was brought to jail. God. So Alice was pregnant had two children, 
She had no money. She couldn't post bond. She had no phone or car. She was totally stuck. Oh, God. Yeah. Luckily, her parents were incredibly supportive. They were broke themselves, but like constantly bailed the the pair out. (sighs) Isn't that the way Um, it goes, though? It's like poor families are way more charitable. Poor people mm -hmm. are so much more charitable. Like he's got this rich family. They're just like, Mm -hmm. "Eh, good luck. Yeah, definitely. They would ask the Jeffries family for money and they would just flat out say no. Yep. Tell the rich, stay rich, guys. Mm -hmm. Take it from me. I'm extremely wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) So after Jeffrey got out of jail, they moved back in with Alice's parents. Yeah. The day Alice gave birth to her third child, Jeffrey happened to land a job at the same hospital where she was giving birth. Mm. Their daughter, Kristen, was immediately Jeffrey's favorite. Uh The family hoped their luck was turning and everything was going to work out. They moved into a farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. Alice was lonely and Jeffrey worked long hours. Sex continued to be a problem. Jeffrey said that Alice was a prude and would not have sex with him. Mm. Alice claims that Jeffrey's sex acts became extreme mm-hmm. and uh, started to include the use of feces. Oh, boy. Yeah. lay it on us Sadie just give us every detail no no I'll give you a detail and then we're moving past this nope Um, dwell so he liked to poop on her oh my god and he also would use it during masturbation Jeffrey strongly denied these allegations saying that Alice liked to exaggerate the abuse she suffered yeah that's a lot to make up yeah you know you know uh, Especially for yeah. a Mormon girl. Like, I don't even know that a Mormon girl could make that up. Like, that, that would even mm-hmm. enter their mind. Not yeah. that Mormon <laughs> girls are that prudish, but I have a no. fair amount of Mormon friends, and I don't know. That's just not their yeah. general train of thought. Females, especially Mormon, my right. female Mormon friends, they're, they're good girls, man. They do mm-hmm. <laughs> the <laughs> nicest people. They're not having yeah. poo poo fantasies. Right. And, I, and I'm not going to go into the details if you want to read the book and find out all about his kinks. Boy, do I. Talk a little bit. I know. Uh, but it is an ongoing theme in her story that this is something that he does to her a lot. Oh, and God. So I just, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, have your, I'm definitely not trying to kink shame or anything like no. that. Like whatever you like to do is fine. But if your wife doesn't like it, it's right. a problem. Yes. Yes. Then you have to. Yes. Find a, have a conversation, <laughs> find a different outlet for your poo-poo fantasies. Uh. So one day Jeffrey dropped Alice off at the laundromat. It was sort of their, you know, they would do it every Wednesday or whatever. He'd drop her at the laundromat and then he'd come back and get her later. Mm-hmm. But that day he never came back to pick her up. Oh, God. For three days she couldn't find him. Uh. When he eventually came home, he told her that he was seeing another woman and had spent the weekend in a hotel with her. But according to Jeffrey, they didn't have sex because he couldn't break his wedding vows to Alice. Oh, what a saint. What a prince. Uh huh. He told Alice that she needed to start doing as he said, submitting to him completely or he would leave her. Mm. Alice thanked him for not leaving her and felt so grateful that he didn't cheat on her. Oh, my God. She promised. I know. She promised to be a better wife and do as he said from now on. Well, he had some points there. Uh, it's good. Like, what a fucking asshole. I know. He's like the master manipulator. Yep. This guy. Yep. So it turns out that Jeffrey was sleeping with the other woman. What? No big surprise there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, t- I believed him. Took him for his word. 
we'll stop doing that. That's your first. Uh, But instead of feeling betrayed and angry with Jeffrey, Alice continued to blame herself. Oh, my God. So according to Jeffrey, quote, she said that she forgave me. And for two weeks, she reclaimed me and I reclaimed her. And we had a good sexual relationship. She did what wives are supposed to do and submitted her will to her Lord, me. Oh, my God. I know. Take a deep breath. I mean, so Alice claims, go ahead. No, I'm just going to make a joke about how Laura and I have the same, um, I don't know who's the Lord in our relationship. <laughs> Pretty sure the pugs are your Lord. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a good point. Pippa is Lord of this household. 10 million percent. Yeah. If Pippa could, she would absolutely have a cult. <laughs> yeah, she does. It's called Laura and I. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Alice claims he became abusive to her after the birth of their daughter. Mm-mm. According to hospital records, Alice was hospitalized for a ruptured spleen. Oh, God. And eternal bleeding, which almost killed her. Oh, no. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. Alice says it was caused during an argument where Jeffrey pushed her into a closet door handle after she refused to have sex with him. Uh. She claims he would have sex with her after she was home from the hospital, but still on strong pain medication. Oh, God. And was too groggy to stop him. Shortly after her hospital stay, she found out she was pregnant again. Oh, no. I know. So after not paying rent for a year, they were evicted from the farmhouse. When the owner came back to the property, he was appalled at what he found. Mm -hmm. The house was completely trashed and smelled terrible. He went to the basement to figure out what was causing the smell and found that Jeffrey had cut the pipe that led to the toilet, allowing all the human waste to pile up in the basement. Oh, no. Poo-poo fantasies. (laughs) Oh, no. I know. When I read that, I was like, um, I shall. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your poo-poo fantasies consensual with your wife and your landlord. (laughs) Uh, so he couldn't imagine why anyone would do something like that. Yeah. He also found a large dildo and sadomasochistic porn magazines mm-hmm. in the upstairs bedroom. He said, quote, he was radical in his religious beliefs. He was intensely conservative. And in one room of the house, he left about every book you could think of about the RLDS religion. Yet upstairs, he left the opposite sort of literature. Isn't that always the case? I mean, it's like, (laughs) if somebody's on television being super homophobic, I'm like, 100% gay. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. you just, Mm -hmm. these things exist within us. You know, sexual, sexuality, period. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, this is a part of being a human being. And if you, the more you oppress it, it seems like the crazier it manifests itself. So, you know, just. Well, when you can't act on your urges in a healthy way they come out in really terrible ways yes so in 1980 the couple had their fourth child another boy named caleb immediately after his birth alice reached for jeffrey's hand but he knocked it away Mm -hmm. she asked him what was wrong and he glared at her saying quote alice i wanted a girl can't you do anything right Um, and then he turned around and left the hospital cool (laughs) god uh When she asked the doctor to perform a tubal ligation after her birth, he told her he couldn't. The doctor Mm -hmm. said he couldn't. Uh, She learned that Jeffrey had removed her and the kids from their (laughs) health insurance policy and had been pocketing the extra money. God, dude. Yeah. 
She hadn't been covered during her long hospital stay and surgery for her spleen and hadn't been covered for her birth either. She now owed the hospital thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> yep. I know. Yep. He's, I had, he's definitely uh, her lord. She should definitely hang out, keep hanging out with him. Yeah, I know. I had uh, my husband Ryan read this story and he was like, where is all the money going? And I was like, I have no That's idea, That's a man. good question. <laughs> where is all the money going? Yeah. At this point, I don't know. I don't know what he was spending the money on, but my God, man. Right? So soon after the birth of their fourth child, Jeffrey lost his job at the hospital and couldn't keep regular work. They started going to church again and lived off the kindness of their congregation. Mm. One very well-off family even offered to combine their two families into an, quote, all things in common relationship. (laughs) Where they would share all belongings, including money. But this ended badly when Jeffrey expected to be supported by the family without contributing anything in return. I needed all things in common. <laughs> I I, where's my wealthy benefactor? This just gonna... And it seemed like a very, it was um, a doctor who had a very successful practice. And then he felt that God was leading him mm-hmm. uh, to let that go and to only do charity. And so he quit his super successful practice and started only practicing medicine for free for people who needed it. Awesome. And then Jeffrey comes in with his family and they're needy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think God is leading me to bring them into our family and i'll share with them like i we have plenty it was a very you know yeah uh well-intentioned godly thing yeah like like the best case scenario as a yeah like he really was trying to lead this life and just happened to pick a really awful family damn it i i mean yeah yeah so god that sucks that's exactly something i I would do too be like come on in (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> I know. I mean, luckily, they did shut it down pretty quickly. They His his stipulation was that if they did this all things in common relationship, that they wouldn't go, they, he wasn't willing to go into debt. And mm. of course, Jeffrey immediately like wanted to, for them to get a second mortgage on their house or whatever. And so he's like, <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's even a quote in the book where he's, he's like, yeah, it's pretty much as soon as I offered it, I regretted it. Uh-huh. You know, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. It's so. uh, only one way to learn that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank God he was able to get him out of there because it doesn't seem like the kind of guy who leaves easily after not paying rent for a year. And... Right. Yeah. Yes. No. Dodged a bullet. Totally. Totally. So in October of 1983, Jeffrey was finally ordained into the RLDS priesthood. This allowed him to preach on Sundays. His sermons often revolved around God's wrath and how he would destroy the wicked. Mm. It was clear that he enjoyed putting people he didn't like into the, quote, lake of fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. So many members of the congregation complained that the elders of the church tried to talk to Jeffrey and tell him to tone it down. Yeah. Jeffrey wouldn't listen, so they stopped allowing him to preach on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey became even more controlling of Alice. And one night after she refused him sex, he raped her. No. When asked about the allegation, he said that it was impossible for a husband to rape his wife since her purpose in life was to please him sexually. (sighs) So at this point, Alice was finally ready to leave her husband. Oh, good. Yeah, that was the final straw, apparently. Thank God. In that moment. Right, right. So once he caught wind of her plans, he went to her with a story of a vision he'd received from God where he turned into Jesus for a brief time and felt his eternal love. He told Alice God had a plan for him. He was going to change the world and he needed her by his side. 
Alice bought it completely and agreed to stay with him. Of course she did. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey started teaching a small Sunday school class. And real quick, I just want to say, when I think about Alice, I can only imagine. She has been told her whole life as a very young girl that she's going to be bringing the prophet into the... Like to create Zion and yes. she's married this guy. She has four kids with him. Yes. She has dedicated her whole life to him. Yes. And yeah. And here he is telling her what she wants to hear. Like, I can't imagine how hard it would be to fully turn away from that, even though I'm sure she knew deep down inside that this guy was a terrible human Yeah. Being. Abuse is hard enough to break out of in and of itself. But then when you're being abused by somebody who's also building upon the thing like you just said everything that you Mm -hmm. have been taught and looking forward to your entire life so when the thing finally comes that you've been waiting for and anticipating Mm -hmm. you know there's no way you're not going to continue to go along with it because it's already you know that's your whole life that's your Mm -hmm. whole purpose right so and i do i mean as we go on you'll see that alice is not innocent she's a monster in her own right but i think at this point in the story she really was just trying to yeah move through and you know yeah. do her Make life the best calling. of it yeah yeah uh, so jeffrey started teaching a small sunday school class for adults who wanted to study the book of mormon he had a group of around 20 loyal followers that shared his conservative beliefs of what the rlds church should be after the delegates at the rlds worldwide conference decided to allow women to be ordained priests jeffrey really lost it and started preaching to his group that joseph smith jr's words were not true Mm. and only he knew the real god so this is a big problem yeah yeah (laughs) i mean most religions don't take kindly to you saying that everything that the religion is founded on is untrue (laughs) right yes so people in his church oh yeah i'm cracking myself up over here i wrote people in his church freaked the fuck out Uh, the elders canceled his class and told Jeffrey he was no longer allowed to teach. Jeffrey moved his group to his house and continued to have about 15 loyal followers. He eventually told Alice that God told them that they had to leave Missouri and move to Kirkland, Ohio. Hmm. Quote, because that is where the scriptures are telling me to go if I want to be endowed with the power. Is Kirkland, Ohio actually in the scripture? That's just how he was interpreting it. So Kirkland, Ohio, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit here, but it's where Joseph Smith Jr. built the first Mormon temple. Aha. Mm-hmm. They picked some random ass places, man. Yeah. They just went where people wouldn't chase them out. <laughs> I mean, like it yeah. Fit, yeah. Fair. The, Under the Banner of Heaven yeah. uh, is an amazing book about the Mormon religion, and it yeah. goes through all the history, and I couldn't put it down. I read it a long, long time ago. It's really fascinating yep so on august 19th 1984 the family moved to kirkland it was home to the very first mormon temple jeffrey found a job giving tours of the temple there was no salary but the position came with a place to live Mm -hmm. the couple who ran the temple were impressed with jeffrey at first and decided to give him additional responsibilities and put him in charge of the financial books Uh uh-oh mm-hmm While in Kirkland, Jeffrey started gathering another group of followers, and he also started to call his old group back in Independence to ask them to move to Kirkland. Mm -hmm. 
He had decided that Kirkland was actually the place where Zion was supposed to be built, not Independence, Missouri. Because it's Kirkland, Ohio. I mean, clearly, (laughs) it's Zion. (laughs) (laughs) When describing his group of followers, he said, quote, they were like leeches and a leech needs to be attached to a host. I became that host. They were all drawn to me because there was something lacking in their own personalities and lives. They wanted me to provide it for them. They were weak. I was strong. I was their host. <laughs> what a sexy explanation. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> how I'll get them leech metaphors. <laughs> All right, dude. So Jeffrey's popularity grew in Kirkland. The local congregation of more conservative RLDS members agreed with much of what Jeffrey preached. So Jeffrey started to talk about leading a revolt to oust the current leaders of the church kick women out of priesthood and restore the RLDS church to its true form. Mm -hmm. He then declared himself the new president prophet. Great. He would, after doing that, he would, would declare himself. Of course he would. (laughs) Yes. So by 1986, Jeffrey had attracted a core group of quote disciples. Two of his followers lived with Jeffrey and the family and then a few others lived in apartments mm-hmm. uh, nearby. Do you say two or a few? Sorry. A few. Okay. Yeah. He started playing the small group against each other. He was telling lies to them so that only people they could trust were Jeffrey and Alice. Yeah, of course. Yep. I had a friend in middle school, my best friend, and she had another best friend, and she would do that to us. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. is the oldest trick in the book. And then we finally... Had, we had the three of us for some reason had a sleepover and our friend our mutual friend fell asleep and she and i started talking and we we're like oh yep okay mm-hmm. yeah. all she's still revealed. one of yeah one of my long longest time best friends <laughs> so <laughs> jokes on the other one <laughs> the other one is a successful cult leader now <laughs> oh, the other one's name is alice <laughs> So by 1987, the group had grown to about 12 members. Jeffrey started to call his group, uh, his quote, family. Mm -hmm. He called his own children and wife the naturals, and the rest of the group were the unnaturals. So is it goal to become a natural? I don't think so. It's just (laughs) a dick move. He just wanted them to like, yeah, yeah, to make sure that they knew that they were beneath him. Got it. Keep them in their place. Yeah, I do know that people could become, they were like not anything, and then they could become unnaturals. I know that that was part of the deal, but I don't think anybody could become a natural. Got it. He wanted everyone in the group to call Jeffrey and Alice mom and dad. Uh-huh. To join the group, the members would have to turn over all of their money to Jeffrey, including their weekly paychecks. One couple even gave Jeffrey their life savings of about $10,000. Jesus, man. Yep. Jeffrey would then decide how much money each person needed. One member said, quote, we felt we were going to build Zion and we wanted to do our part. I was willing to do whatever it took to do this right and see Christ. Man, oh man. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey also started to pair the members together to marry. So if they were all, if they were unmarried, he, he wanted to pair them up. Oh, yeah. Most unions were not what the couple wanted, but they would do it anyway. Cool. Yeah. Everything about this cult sounds great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. Yeah. Like uh, of all of the all of the cults that are I out know. there, this one I just I, I wouldn't 
bothers. I know. Not. There's like groovy, sexy cults and mm-hmm. money cults and mm-hmm. more sexy cults. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many different kinds of hippie ones that are just chill. Totally. Don't join the, like, like Jamestown, the beginning of Jamestown. I, yeah. When I read about how that formed and what their yes. philosophies were, I was like, okay, I would have joined that one. Yeah, actual <laughs> utopia. It sounds great. Yeah. Like live in the jungle and be groovy together. This guy's just like, you're an unnatural leech. Give me your money. <laughs> Marry that guy. I'm like, oh, I hate this cold. <laughs> I know. I know. So Jeffrey began buying guns and ammunition with the money he received from his followers. Yep. He was preparing for the, quote, last days of tribulation, <sighs> which is a time of war, famine, and disease shortly before Jesus's return. Yep. After a church official noticed cash flow to the gift shop and donations to the temple were at an all-time low, despite the number of visitors increasing, the church ordered an audit. Mm-hmm. Once the audit was complete, they found that over the period of time that Jeffrey had been assigned to the task of caring for financial records, which is about two and a half years, he had taken between seventeen and $21,000 from the till. Yep, we saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't prove it was Jeffrey who stole the money, so the church officials made a deal. Uh, they asked Jeffrey to resign as a temple guide. He could stay in his house for one month, rent-free, until he could find somewhere else to live. So- the church... Oh, sorry. No, oh, it's just so nice of them. <laughs> I know. The church also promised to stay quiet about the missing money. In order to protect his reputation, Jeffrey quickly told everyone who would listen that he was being kicked out because, quote, I am preaching the truth. Yep. He moved his following to a cheap farmhouse on 15 acres of land outside of Kirkland. He decided they would start creating Zion there. Altogether, he had around 20 members of his, quote, family. Wow. Most lived on the farm with him, but a few married couples and their children lived in apartments in town. In the beginning, they were all happy, working together, fixing up the farmhouse, and they felt very connected to each other. They had scripture classes every night, often lasting two to three hours. If someone made a mistake, then there would be, quote, session time. Uh Jeffrey would then yell at the group loudly about the mistake that was made for hours, often lasting until two or three in the morning. (laughs) I mean, really, I just don't want to be in the cult. (laughs) No! I don't want two or three hour Bible sessions. I no. don't want yelling sessions. I don't no. want to fix up your cheap ass farmhouse. No. What does this guy have that these people are yeah. after? Yeah. God. His promise of God. Oh, man. Well, there are a lot of people that are love the punishment side of religion. Like they yeah. just get off on it. You know, it's just their totally. favorite. So. <laughs> This guy obviously capitalized on that and mm-hmm. reeled them all in real hard. Yeah. Uh, the word session was a reference that Jeffrey originally used when disciplining his children. Jeffrey said, quote, it would take 10 or 15 licks before they, his children, would give in. Mm. I called them a session because they took so long. God. Mm-hmm. So two weeks after moving to the farm, Jeffrey tells his group that God gave him a new name and a new job. He said, quote, besides being the last messenger, I am now to be called the destroyer. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. People will die at my hands. Oh, God. He went on to explain that God wanted him to gather, quote, the residue of my servants and cleanse the, quote, vineyard (laughs) until it was saved. (laughs) 
Oh my god. This guy's uh, not even good at his poetry. What do you call that? He's not even good at that part of it. Mm-hmm. It's like leeches, cleansing vineyards, resi- with residue. Residue of my servants. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, what he really meant was that he planned to destroy the leaders of the Kirkland Temple. Mm-hmm. So, quote, ladies and gentlemen, God is commanding us to take over the Kirkland Temple. I am the destroyer. We must destroy the wicked who are now in control of the temple if we want Christ to return. And that is exactly what I intend to do. So dramatic. Mm -hmm. So Jeffrey started teaching his followers about war, death, and combat. He had them watch movies over and over, like First Blood, which is the first Rambo movie. Oh, my God. Uh, where a Vietnam vet takes on an entire town's police force single-handedly and wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had them watch Apocalypse Now. Cool. Yep. He also convinced them that he was such a deadly soldier in the Vietnam War that his peers nicknamed him Killer. <laughs> and he fed them a steady stream of violence from the Book of Mormon, pointing out that God was not afraid to kill. Uh just before Christmas 1987, Jeffrey starts to reveal specifics about how he was going to take over the temple. He said that Christ could only return if there was no wickedness in or near the temple. That meant that every man, woman, and child who lived within a one-block radius of the temple, which was about 25 people, would have to be executed. Oh my god. So Jeffrey continued to have revelations about the upcoming takeover. He decided it would happen on his birthday, which was May 3rd, and that only 12 followers would survive the battle. <laughs> so Jeffrey would, like, go away from the farmhouse and, like, climb up on the hill and talk to God, according to him, and then come back down with all of these revelations. Yeah, right. He was, like, going to Vegas with his $20,000 that he'd embezzled <laughs> and, like, the other $50 million that he'd yeah. stolen from his family and the mm-hmm. university. Like, right. Back- by Vegas, you mean the... the- casino like uh boat what are those called yeah the riverboat casino <laughs> riverboat there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah. god uh-huh. back from my vision quest yep what a dick um so that meant that four of the adults uh would be killed god if, if only 12 are gonna survive <laughs> again like what a motivator <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah stay in this shitty boring cult and yep work on my farmhouse probably have to die probably watch rambo movies and four of you are definitely gonna die like Mm -hmm. i'm all in still in right when his members would come to him to see if they would survive he would tell them that they were safe and he would always list different people who Mm. were going to die depending on who he was talking to (laughs) (laughs) that very much goes back to being a kid and having your two best friends yeah no, you're my you're best, my best friend. friend. Definitely not going to die. Right. He started to tell some of them that God was telling him that he would be the one to kill the four members that had to die. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously the group began to get scared. <laughs> At this point, they became scared. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so one of the members, his name was Kevin. He got so scared that he left work for one day and fled. Mm-hmm. When Jeffrey learned that he had left the group, he said, quote, that son of a bitch has run off. He's as good as dead. I'm going to track him down and kill him. Ugh. Kevin spent a few weeks moving from place to place to be sure that Jeffrey wasn't coming after him. He then decided to tell the FBI about the temple takeover. Good. He met with an agent who thought he was a, quote, nutcase. 
He didn't understand the RLDS church. The mm-hmm. agent didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't understand Joseph Smith Jr. or the Kirkland Temple. Mm-hmm. The agent said it sounded like a problem for the local authorities and didn't pursue the information. Oh, no. He's no. also like, we, nobody would join a cult that shitty. Get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Uh, so then Kevin, being a, a good guy, he called the local Kirkland police chief, uh, whose name was Dennis Yarborough, mm-hmm. and told him his story. Yarborough knew Jeffrey and was, quote, 90% certain that Kevin's story was true. Oh, good. But it was so bizarre that he decided to call the FBI for a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And the FBI wouldn't help unless they had evidence to collaborate Kevin's story. Come on, guys. I know. This is like your whole point. If I was an FBI agent, I would be stoked to take this yeah. on. Right. So Yarborough decided to try and find evidence. One of his officers had been at a house neighboring the farm on an unrelated call just a few days before. The neighbor had mentioned to the officer that Jeffrey was, quote, weird. Caleb, who's Jeffrey's youngest son, had told her that on May 3rd, the, quote, earth was going to open up and all of the devils and demons were going to come up. <laughs> How old is this kid? Do you have any idea? Not uh, that it matters. At this but... point, he, he was probably, see if I can do the math. He was pretty young. Yeah. Like six. Ah, God. Yeah. Seven. That's, <laughs> God. Hey, kid, what are you doing? Well, on May 3rd, it's going to open up and all the devils and <laughs> the demons, demons are going to come up. and the devils. Yeah. Yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Yarborough decided to stake out the farm to keep an eye on the commune. After a few nights of no activity, he called Jeffrey, say, called him in uh, and said that neighbors had complained of a paramilitary group being spotted in their orchard and wanted to know if he had noticed them. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey said no, and the chief of police hoped this would scare Jeffrey off from following through with his plan. Got it. So he's just kind of calling their bluff a little bit. Like, yeah, he just wanted to let him know that they were sort of on to him. And there was that it was actually true. Um, Kevin had told him that they would do paramilitary, act, like whatever, trainings in the yeah. orchard. Yeah. yeah. So the information he was, he just wanted him to know that people were on to him. Yep. So after his conversation with police, Jeffrey tells his commune that God came to him and said that his followers still needed to repent. There was too much sin in the group. Christ could only return to the temple if it had been cleansed. This was not the year that they would be taking over the temple. Man, can you imagine the relief that you would get when you finally got that news? Like, seriously. Oh, we don't have to yep. kill 25 plus people this on May mm-hmm. 3rd. Phew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on your birthday. Well, and the... Right, and that Yarborough's plan worked, and then Jeffrey was like, oh, okay, I better rethink this. God, thank God. Uh, So despite the date being pushed back, the main group of followers continued to prepare for Jeffrey's plan. They did lose another member of the group when she realized that Jeffrey was nothing but a con. Mm -hmm. Uh, He allowed her to leave, but it made him very angry. Of course. The Averys, Dennis, his wife Cheryl, and their three daughters, 15-year-old Trina, 13-year-old Becky and 6-year-old Karen were a part of the group, but lived in an apartment away from the farm. They were old friends from back in Independence. Mm -hmm. They couldn't attend the nightly classes that Jeffrey taught. And so even though Jeffrey and Dennis Avery had known each other for a long time, Dennis had always been on the outside. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey never liked the family and always thought of them as inferior to him. Despite this, the Averys considered the Lundgrens their closest friends and believed Jeffrey was going to build Zion. 
Jeffrey once said, quote, the Averys are so stupid that the first they will know about the temple takeover is when they see us on television inside the temple. Uh-huh. Dennis showed up at the farm one day soon after one of the members had decided to leave to ask Jeffrey why he wasn't paying the rent on the house his family lived in. Mm-hmm. The landlord was getting ready to evict them, and Dennis had been giving Jeffrey all of his paycheck. In return, Jeffrey was supposed to be paying the rent. Oh, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Bitch will never change. <laughs> right. Jeffrey flew into a fit of rage and told Dennis that he wouldn't pay his back rent. The family would have to move out of out in the middle of the night and leave their forwarding address. Or not leave, I'm sorry. <laughs> and not leave their forwarding address. Yeah. The Avery family did just that. Jeffrey later recalled, quote, Dennis represented everything that I hated in a person. He was a physical and spiritual weakling who couldn't keep his house in order. So he just hated this guy. Probably Mm -hmm. he wasn't devoted enough or some sort of perceived slight, and he just hated him. Yeah. Yep. I think even though he clearly loved Jeffrey, Jeffrey just didn't. Mm -hmm. He he spotted the weakness and kind of dug in. Yep. Dennis and Cheryl were described as an odd couple. Dennis was meek, and Cheryl was uncomfortable around strangers. Uh, Cheryl grew up as a middle child with two brothers. She was very close to her siblings and would often take on a motherly role with them. In high school, she was described as uncomplicated, serious, and stubborn, and she was very modest. Uh, She was also deeply religious. Mm -hmm. After high school, she attended Graceland, which is a conservative RLDS college. She did well there and made friends who were more similar to her. During this time, she attended a singles night at the college. She was paired up with Dennis Avery, and they started going to church together and began dating. Mm-hmm. Eight months later, they were married. Wow. Dennis Avery was described as, quote, your typical nerd with his pocket protector and everything. Oh, bud. <laughs> I know. He was said to be rather slow-witted, except for when it came to quoting scriptures. Dennis poured over his Bible and the Book of Mormon. The RLDS was always centered to his life. Uh, a co-worker described him as, quote, a pleasant fellow, but he had absolutely no ambition. Mm-hmm. The couple had three daughters, Trina, Rebecca, and Karen. Uh, Rebecca w- went by Becky. Trina was the oldest and resembled her mother in both looks and attitude. She was more comfortable with books than other teenagers. She was known as the, quote, brainy child mm-hmm. and always got very good grades. She was very shy. Uh, She wasn't happy to move to Kirkland. They had started off in independence. uh, So they were one of the original followers that came. Right. She bought a hot pink sweatshirt that had the words, why me, (laughs) printed on it in protest of the move. I love it. I know. I'm pretty sure we maybe had that sweatshirt in our closet somewhere. Also, I'm pretty sure we all, everyone in America needs that right now. Why me? I know. Despite being 14, she slept with a nightlight and hadn't yet gotten rid of her stuffed animals and dolls. Oh, sweetie pie. I know. Their middle daughter, Becky, was 12 and so different from Trina that people wouldn't have guessed that they were sisters. Mm -hmm. She was a tomboy daring and stubborn uh she was always on the go becky's most prized possession was her pet goldfish named happiness (laughs) oh god that's cute oh that's so cute (laughs) Uh, so karen was the baby of the family she was six years old she was described as a giggle box she was always smiling and always happy 
she loved playing with her favorite doll named Linda. And her favorite game to play was pick up sticks. God, that is also cute. I know. They lived simply, didn't care much for keeping up their house. Uh, A friend of Cheryl's remembers getting a call from her one day. Cheryl was in a panic. She wanted to know what she should use to clean orange juice off the floor. (laughs) She wasn't sure. And so she had just left it there for a few days and then really got worried and didn't know (laughs) how to clean it. The friend said that... When she was like, oh, just use this, you know, household cleaner that Cheryl was so grateful to her for the information. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so adorable. Um, Another story that they told about the family was that somebody came over to visit and they were all sitting in their living room and it was freezing. And somebody looked up and they were like, oh, you just need to open your vents. Mm-hmm. And then the heat will come in, and they they were just sort of like, oh, okay. They didn't know. Oh that my that's god! How how heat gets in the <laughs> room? Gets into. I just. I yeah, love really them. Sweet. I do too. I, love, I, I really do too. Hung up on the idea of like dropping the orange juice, panicking, <laughs> leaving it there, and then re-panicking later. That's yeah. so. I can weirdly relate to that. Like mm-hmm. I know how to clean up orange juice, but I feel like I can mm-hmm. apply that to a lot of things in my life. Like yes. It's too overwhelming. I'll deal with it later. <laughs> it just my mom builds and builds and builds. And you're like, yes. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so sweet. So church members said that Cheryl was the strong one of the family, but Dennis always went to work to support his family. Mm-hmm. He had an easygoing nature and didn't get real concerned about things. Uh, he felt that the Lord was directing his life almost to the point of not doing anything in terms of planning for what would happen next uh-huh. for him or his family. Uh-huh. When they met the Lundgren family, they felt like God was directing them to be a part of Jeffrey's group. They were very excited and hopeful for their future. Mm -hmm. So in September 1988, Jeffrey announced that he had a new revelation, that they no longer had to take over the Kirkland Temple. He had found a way for his followers to meet God face to face. If they did what he told them to do, not only would they see him, God, they would be able to touch him as well. Mm-hmm. It took him several weeks to reveal his plan. In the end, it was rather simple. In order to take his followers before God, Jeffrey would first have to become, quote, endowed with the power. The only way to obtain this power was to kill the, quote, wicked and offer them as human blood atonement sacrifice to God. Groovy. Jeffrey didn't know how many people he was supposed to kill or who they were. He read to them from the Book of Mormon, quote, Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, and upon my house shall it begin. First among those among you who have professed to know my name and have not known me. That's just very clear to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clearly it's saying you got to kill some people. mm -hmm. So Jeffrey told the group that God was telling him through these verses that he was to select someone to sacrifice within his own house. Oh my God, that gives me the craziest Mm -hmm. chills. Someone who claimed to worship God, but who really didn't know him. The only question his followers had after hearing this was, quote, who would it be? After they were done with the sacrifice, they would go out into the wilderness and wait for God to come to them. And this is going to be a part two-part series, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to stop here. You know, and we're going to work really hard to get part two out in a few days. 
Yeah. Yes, that's the good news. That's the bad good news. news. This is you got to wait. The good news is not very long. And I'm going to tell you, like the first part is good. The second part is bonkers good. Mm-hmm. This shit is crazy. Yeah. So and awful and sad and oh, it's so fucked up. But it's really worth getting through. Yes, absolutely. So I apologize to to leave it here, uh, but. We'll get the second part out real quick. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot to look forward to. Excellent d- damn job on this one. Sadie kept texting me like, God, I'm only one third of the way through what I want to write. And it's like 14 pages. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you powered through Thank because you. the story is so crazy. And uh, <laughs> I mentioned at the beginning that my allergies or my allergies, my anxiety always spikes in April just for no reason. And I've noticed Every for the last like four years, I'm like, God, it just comes out of nowhere and sort of takes me down a little bit. And <laughs> this week was my week, like starting Sunday. I think I mentioned in our last episode that I just woke up and I just had this anxiety out of nowhere and it sort of persisted all week. And man, reading this story <laughs> did not help, <laughs> especially the second half. No. Um, but it dawned on me, it's like, I have. They're not terrible, but I do have seasonal allergies. And I was like, I'm going to look it up and see if there's a correlation between the two. And sure enough, like the the, the article that I read, um, and it was a reputable article. There are multiple reputable articles on this. But they were basically like, if you have seasonal allergies, you have anxiety. That's so crazy. I know. Isn't that crazy? So any of you out there who are suddenly spiking in your, if your anxiety, I mean, there's obvious <laughs> reasons your anxiety would be spiking. But if you're like me... Because um, the other thing, interesting thing I keep reading, and Sadie, you mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but that a lot of people were like, people with anxiety, you know, we've sort of been training for this. And so when the crisis hits, it's not that it's mm-hmm. not as big of a deal. Um, but I keep seeing people are, who are like reaching out and saying, it's really weird. I feel like I'm on vacation. Like I haven't been this calm in years, I have terrible anxiety and I'm so calm all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I've been experiencing. Like, it's just, it's the craziest thing. Like, I can't get through a day without experiencing anxiety most of the time. And then this global crisis hits and I'm like, ah, wow, I've never, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I've, I, my blood pressure dropped. I can sleep. It's, it's been physically, physiologically, it's been great for me. Um, and, it's being reported all over the place and the and psychiatrists and psychologists are like yeah well you you've had this anxiety because you're always waiting for the bad thing and then when the bad thing shows up there it's there Mm -hmm. so you can finally relax and it's just crazy so if you are experiencing either of those things you're not alone (laughs) i also uncovered a mystery i think i think i might know who's responsible for our texas coven i think it might I think it might be Marcus. Oh. Our friend Marcus is in the Marines, and I'm pretty sure he's still stationed in Texas. I'm not 100% sure where in Texas. But I do love the idea of it being a coven of (laughs) Marines. (laughs) Let us know, Marcus. I'm sure. Hopefully you're still listening. But yeah, let us know if... I know. After I bashed your governor a couple episodes ago, I'm sure the (laughs) Texas Marines just love that. (laughs) Um, Or maybe they just hate listening at this point, which is totally fine and a completely valid way to consume entertainment, man. Like, Whatever gets you through at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope we have a 
coven of Marines. And <laughs> if your anxiety is spiking or plateauing, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Nope. And, um, oh, I also, I don't, I just was thinking about like recommendations for things. I, you know, I think we're all sort of starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel for things to listen to and watch. And if you follow us on Instagram, you know, I've been reaching out and asking for people, you know, like, what podcast are you listening to? Um, but I was just thinking today about lesser known television shows. And I wanted to recommend two uh, that are phenomenal that a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, one being the show Search Party, which is on TBS. Mm-hmm. It's just excellent. I'll just let you watch it. Um, I won't get, it's kind of hard to describe, but it is just a fucking excellent show. Um, I think it was like Vanity Fair, one of the bigger magazines, just called it the best show of the last several Holy decades. Cow. That's yeah, awesome. which is, uh, I would tend to agree with. Um, it's got comedy, mystery. It's just fantastic. It's funny. It's, I guess, comedy and funny are the same thing. No, it's just so good. Um, and then a show that I have never, ever, ever, ever seen anybody else mention, and I know other people are watching it, is Patriot on Amazon. Mm. The first season of that show is so fucking good. I don't um, think I've watched that one. I have to. Oh my god, you should okay. watch it. I know you have so much free time, right. <laughs> but it's a, uh, um, an assassin, like a CIA or FBI assassin, who doesn't really like his job and is a, <laughs> he's a folk singer uh, and he no, sings. He's like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so smart and dark and great. It's okay. just great. I'll check it out. So. My recommendation yeah. is a little-known show called Tiger King. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. So, yeah, I'll keep the recommendations coming. And uh, back, I'm going to keep asking you guys, too, on Instagram because, yeah, yeah why fun. not? Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's super fun, and I need more stuff. I need more content, mm-hmm. and I'm making, still making masks. Oh, that's the other thing. If anybody need ma- needs masks, I'll put this on Instagram, too. But I just got... <laughs> Uh, I just traded five masks for three grocery bags full of fabric. Holy cow. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I posted it on my local Facebook page, you know, for people to take. So there's just absolutely no way I'll get through all of it. But um, if anybody is in need of masks, I'm happy to send them to you. Um, Yeah. So I'll put that out there and you can send me your address and uh, and I'll put put them in the mail. You can also rate, review, subscribe us. We got a couple more totes if anybody needs a tote yep uh, go. masks are free i'm not going to be a plague economist and make you subscribe and rate review no, for sorry, masks you have to. that's <laughs> how shitty would that be uh but yeah totes you gotta work for that masks <laughs> free just just being a good person yeah. um what uh, else anything uh look at our instagram at they will kill yeah it's definitely that, where we're, we're most active and yeah by us i mean courtney she's she's taken the the lead it's, which is awesome because she's i've never liked it but i love it for this purpose i don't care about my own life you yeah. know i care my own right. life it's just pugs right. pu- constant pugs <laughs> um but yeah it's really fun to interact with you guys and we've got an amazing following um and people are really starting to like latch on and communicate mm-hmm. which is a blast yeah, so fun. um but yeah we love instagram they will kill uh facebook is also they will kill twitter is also they will kill you can email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com and our website is they will kill.com thank you aj Bergans, for our music shit yeah man and remember 
I actually got one today. Okay. Took... Oh, shit. Where is it? <laughs> oh, man. Give me one second. I took a picture of this thing. I friend posted it on Facebook, and I thought it was wonderful, and I thought I took a screen cap of it, but I clearly did not. Okay, one second. Oh, so this is about, you know, elections coming up. It's on a lot of people's minds, and I thought this was really helpful in uh, just mantra or something to focus on, uh, but it says, elections are not how our people will take power. They will be when we are strong enough, the expression of the power we have already taken. Oh, fuck yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? That's, That's awesome. uh, Please forgive me for pronouncing this name. Yotam Marum. Yotam Marum is the person who was responsible for that wonderful quote. So, wonderful. There you go. Thank you to our uh, Houston coven of Marines <laughs> and all of you. For listening. <laughs> yeah, we love you we, so much. We love you very much. We're very grateful for you and for the ability to keep doing this. That's right. Keep your ears open for part two. Coming at you real quick. Shit, yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.